Today I want to talk to you about something that's a little bit unique in this series. I want to talk to the single people, and I want to talk to you about how to fight for God-given fulfillment. God-given fulfillment. Speaking of being single, I do want to share some things that are pretty funny. These are actual tweets. These are things that are uh, comments from singles about dating and relationships that are taken off of the internet. Everything on the internet's true, so these are true. <laughs> no, really, these, these, are, these are from actual single people. This, this is funny. It starts pretty good, and it, it ends hilarious. Right, here, here you go. Again, I'm just a delivery person. I didn't make these up. I'm just dropping them off at your doorstep. Here we go. 90%, oh, singles, dating, here it is. 90% of a dating relationship, well, it's really just figuring out where to eat together. All right, that just, it's okay, gets better. Number two, relation, this is good. Relationships are mostly you apologizing for saying something hilarious. That's actually about marriage too. But anyway, here we go. I said, honey, it's funny because nobody's laughing. I said, I am. All right, now this, this is good. Remember, I'm a delivery person. That's all I am. Recipes are like online dating websites. They never end up quite looking like the picture. All right, there we go. I'm just telling you I'm a delivery person. All right. I want to talk to singles today, whether you've never been married, whether you've been divorced, uh, whether you're a widow, a widower, wherever you are in your journey, I, I believe this is a very important message. Matter of fact, I believe this is a message for everyone. Because I want to say to you, I, I pastor a lot of single people, and oftentimes there's a kind of a social stigma that come on, like the single person, they're like a half cookie, incomplete. I want to say this. We love single people at Church of the King. We honor you, and you are a significant part of God's kingdom. Come on, can we honor all the single people at Church of the King? It's interesting. I, uh, some of you may not know this. I became a Christian at 19. And I was single until almost 27. Matter of fact, I did a two-year stint as a singles pastor. And uh, that, was, that was a good time. And so I, I understand, again, in college, after college, four years, uh, that, that season of my life. And I, so I want to talk, number one, I want to talk as somebody that was single eight years as an adult, single, but number two as a pastor. The reality is, is that being single is a season that we've all walked through, we're in it, we'll all end up there again at some point in time, unless if you are married, you and your spouse die, and if you know Christ, you go to heaven simultaneously. I mean, the fact is, is that it's a season, and it's a moment that we all are in or passing through or will end up someday. And I think it's important to know, particularly in a church like Church of the King, because you hear these terms. Family church. And again, I want to go on record saying, I'm married. I've been married 27 years. I have four children. Marriage is, is, a, is a gift from God. Children are a gift from God. So I want to qualify that up front. And that's why this is important for me to say this. But you hear this in a church like Church of the King. You hear family church. You hear spiritual faith. You hear family a lot. And in a sense, if you're single, you can almost hear, well, kind of where do I fit into, into the equation? Well, if it's a family church, and, and 
I mean, I, I mean, I'm a single person. I know I'm part of the family of God, but, but there are subtle, what I would call, intimations that come across pulpits. I say this as a pastor, that, that, that single people can almost feel like second-rate citizens. Again, almost like half cookies. Like, well, they're not, they're not really there. And, well, I mean, you're going to be there. And the problem is, is that when we don't have God's perspective on life, when we take culture's perspective, man's perspective, not God's perspective, we can believe lies. But let me give you two lies that, are, that need to be exposed. One is, is that if you believe the lie that you're kind of a half of a person until you get married, number one, you won't enjoy your current existence and you'll always be waiting for that day. Not maximizing who you are in God now, not developing, not becoming the person God created you to be. And you're almost like in this holding pattern. It's almost like, well, I'm just, I'm just kind of waiting till then. Number two, another danger of believing that a single is somewhat of a half person is that you may marry someone prematurely in an effort to feel complete before you're ready. Now, I want to go on record saying, once you said, I do, you did. All right, I just thought I'd share that. <laughs> I remember some... some People in my life, family members, they put a lot of pressure. I mean, I remember the pressure. It's kind of like when you're in college, kind of, like, ah, it's cool. But then, you know, you're out of college, 23, 24, 25, 26. 20. It's almost like, and I had well-meaning people that love me, but it's like, hey, Steve, like, when, when do you, like, get married? Like, do you have anybody in your life? No, like, why, why not? You know, I mean, like, and, and so you feel the sense of it's almost like, well, I mean, and you want to make excuse. Well, well, the truth is we ought to say, I'm single. This is where I am right now, but I'm fully maximizing who God created me to be. We ought to say something like that if we're single. Because as a single person, you are a significant part of God's kingdom. I want to talk to you today about five biblical aspects to singleness. If you're writing this down, all of our location, those that are joining us online as well, I trust this will help you. By the way, you ought to send this to your children, whatever age they are. If they're single as teenagers, in their 20s, their 30s, wherever they are, this will help you because we're going to go to God's Word. Number one, first thing I want to talk about today is, I would say to all the single people in our church, you are are complete in Christ. You are complete in Christ. No romantic relationship completes you. Only Jesus completes you. Paul writes to the church at Colossae, he says, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of, this, of men. According to the basic principles of this world and not according to Christ. There is a difference between the world's way and God's way. It's real clear here. According to the basic principle of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, that's Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete. Come on, those next two words, can we say them together at the count of three? One, two, three. In him. You are complete in him. The church doesn't complete you. A spouse doesn't complete you. Your kids don't complete you. Your job doesn't complete you. Christ completes you. You are complete in Christ. Why is that important? What happens if you're married and you get divorced? Are you no longer complete? What happens if you have a child and they die before you? Are you not complete? What, happen what happens? 
if you lose your job. In other words, whenever you look to a romantic relationship to complete you, you are putting a person in the place that only God intended to be. And by the way, you'll put God-like expectations on an individual. They can't meet those needs. No human being can meet the place in your life that only God was intended to meet. Well, pastor, I was here last week. I know this is a five-week series. And didn't you say, Pastor Steve, last week? Because I was here, and I, and I saw the message online, or I was at one of our physical camps. And I heard you say that when God looked at Adam, he said, it's not good for you to be alone. And he gave him a wife. And, and I thought that you were suggesting that that completed. No, your spouse compliments you, but they don't complete you. There's a difference. They compliment you. You're weak where they're strong and vice versa, but it's only Christ that can please you. Matter of fact, let me tell you one of the ways that this practically works its way out. I'll have people say this, you know, struggling in sexual areas. Like, wow, man, whew, can't wait till I get married, man. I, I got these sexual problems, and I, but when I get married, all that's going to be taken care of. No, 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 no. It gets worse when you get married. Are you kidding me? No, 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 no. You don't, you don't fight lust by getting married. You fight lust by the power of Christ on the inside of you. If not, you'll go into your marriage trying to lust, meaning, you know what lust is? Lust takes. You know what love does? Love gives. So, so we don't wait to go to our marriage to get healed or to deal with all of our sexual frustration. You've got to, that thing's, you're sexual, and yes, part of who you are is a sexual creature. Absolutely, God created. Sex is a gift from God. But it's got to be used according to God's way. And that must be submitted to the Spirit of God. Lust must be submitted to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. We, we've got to get victory in that area prior to saying, I do. So that when you go into marriage, that other one doesn't say, I don't. You're crazy. That was funny. I just added that. You're the only service that got that, by the way. So what does the enemy do? I want everybody to watch this. Everybody look up here. Let me tell you what the enemy does. He's a master of playing off of unmet needs. And he does it through temptation. There's a biblical way for our needs to get met. How do we do it? We do it God's way. Temptation goes all the way back to the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, hath God indeed said? The devil always comes to you to try to get you and I to doubt God's word. To, to make you begin to doubt. Does the Bible really say that? I mean, after all, the Bible, I mean, it's kind of antiquated. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's good stuff. But, I mean, is it, does God really, like, mean all of that? I mean, by the way, that's where our culture is today. Well, you know, the Bible, you know, God's apparently never been into the 21st century. You know, he's just, you know, God's kind of behind the times. You know, God's got to, you know, it's not as current. I mean, it's good. Love your neighbor. But I mean, after all, do we really believe that God's biblical blueprint for sexual ethics and, and, and how sex and do we really? Be, I mean, after all, is God really up with it? How many of you know the Bible says this? I love this. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not. In other words, this word is just as relevant today as it was 2000 years ago. God gives us, listen to me, God gives us descriptions and prescriptions in his word how to maximize sexual fulfillment in the context of how he designed it, the context of marriage. So the temptation, there's always a temptation to try to do life apart from God. 
do life on our own terms, how we think it works best, but that's always filled with pain. Hath God indeed said, ah, come on, man, God, I mean, after all, the serpent said to the woman, nah, you won't die when you eat it. Don't worry about it. By the way, the enemy always hides our ability to see long-term consequences of our decisions. It's like, we don't think, because in the moment, it feels good. How many of you know, if you base your life on what feels good, that's Russian roulette. <laughs> because what feels good may not be the right thing to do. Oftentimes, it's, it's not. If you do it your way. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like, God, God's trying to keep back. This is all the way back to the garden. God's trying to keep you back from fun. No, God's trying to maximize your enjoyment. The enemy doesn't have any new tricks. It goes all the way back right here. It's a blueprint of how the enemy lies. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate she also gave to her husband, and he ate. The, the enemy's number one trick is temptation. He's always tempting us, seeking to entice us with a lie disguised as a promise. Boy, isn't that interesting? You'll be like God. God doesn't want to. He's holding you back. Satan even tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. By the way, temptation itself is not sin. Temptation is still in the thought realm, in the feeling realm. It's when you act on that temptation. It's when you act on it. However, let's not play around with it. Don't take the bait. I, I'll say this. I think it's very important that we understand that God has a way and man has a way. Well, pastor, I mean, after all, well, how do I find a spouse? So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, how do I find a spouse? Well, or, well let me say it this way. I mean, I, pastor, did you, did you say, wait a minute. Didn't you say last week that, that, that when a husband and a wife come together, they become one flesh? Well, there's a part of me that's incomplete until I become flesh. No, 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 no. You got to understand God's mathematics. All right, here's how God's mathematics work. You guys ready? Three people. Great. Are you guys ready? Yes. All right, all the locations. All right, here we go. Here's God's mathematics. Here it is. One times one equals what? Say it. One. God takes a whole person, not a perfect person. By the way, you're not perfect till you go to heaven. So there's no such thing as perfection. Only Jesus was perfect. But God takes a person that's pursuing God. They're seeking to get healthy. They're seeking to get strong. And God takes another person. By the way, the Bible talks a lot about don't be unequally yoked together. So God takes another person, again, not perfect, but they're pursuing Christ, one person pursuing Christ, another person pursuing Christ, they're pursuing wholeness, and God puts them together, and they make, watch this, a whole marriage. God doesn't take a half person that's one foot in God, one foot out of God. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure. I mean, I love Christ, but not really. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to base my life on the Bible. Not really. And put somebody else with that, and their marriage is totally different. 0.5 and 0.5, it's actually 0.25. Marriage is tough enough when you're spirit-filled, born-again, Bible-saturated Christians. Try doing marriage without God. Well, Pastor Steve, I'm just answering questions here. 
By the way, I do not advocate. I'm talking today as somebody who was single for eight years in their 20s, but I'm also 19 to 26, but I'm also talking to you as a, as, a, as a dad, a father, and as a pastor. I don't advocate missionary dating. You know, missionary dating is, I got to lead this person to Christ, and they'll be a great husband. If I can lead her to Christ, she'll be a great wife. No, no. No, don't, don't do that. They could be a demon, too. Come on, are y'all with me? No, no. You got to make sure they're pursuing Christ, and then you're pursuing Christ, and you look up one day. By the way, by the way, there... The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Do you know what the word finds means? It means stumble upon. In other words, you're doing life, you're pursuing Christ, you're pursuing God's plan for your life, you're growing emotionally, mentally, physically, professionally, and you look up one day like, my gosh, they're doing the same. They got a heart for God. They got a heart. They're growing themselves as a person. They're a healthy, growing person. And one day you woke up and you go, my gosh, and, and you're in the same current together. Well, Pastor Steve, how did you meet your wife? Well, by the way, I was very ungodly and immoral in high school and into college. So I, 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 that's why I'm very, very... Thank God for the blood of Christ. Thank God for how many grateful that Jesus forgives us and makes us new. So I want to go on record saying that. But after he cleanses us, let's figure out how to do it God's way, to stay walking in the power of the Spirit. So there's a guy in our church, uh, a couple in our church, great couple. They've been in our church literally from the beginning, Glenn and Tracy Smith. Glenn's a couple years older than me, and I'll never forget, and we were in the same church together, and I'll never forget when he told me, he says, uh, Steve. Now, I'm, I'm single at the time. I'm 26. He goes, Steve, I met your wife today. You met my wife? I said, Glenn, I'm single. I said, no, I know you're single, of course. He goes, no, but I met your wife. I said, well, you didn't mean, Glenn, how'd you? He goes, okay, I met your future wife. And I said, really? He goes, no, you're going to marry this girl. So you feel, he goes, I'm telling you, you're going to marry her. And I said, well, since it's an arranged marriage, is she hot? Is she good looking? I mean, I want to make sure, you know, before the trap door opens. Okay, don't tell me, like, looks aren't important. Looks, spirit, soul, body, the whole thing. Yes, their character. Anyway. So, the funniest thing is, I married her nine months later. Isn't that crazy? What he was meaning was, he said, she's pursuing God. She was a kindergarten teacher at, at the Christian school uh, where I was a, a young pastor. And so, you know, she sees me, I see her, and she goes, she walks up. And, and I said, oh, hey, good to see you. You must be Jennifer. She goes, and you're Tarzan. <laughs> okay, she didn't say that. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Come on, just making sure you guys. This is a little heavy today, I know. I said, you don't want me to rip my shirt off. But anyway, here we go. Okay, so the Bible says he who finds it. In other words, you're just, you're pursuing God. You're pursuing your destiny, becoming the person God created you to be. And you look up one day, boom, that person's pursuing God. Doesn't mean you don't go to social events. Doesn't mean you don't connect to different functions. Of course you do. But, but your pursuit is Christ first. All right. Number one, you are complete in, everybody say it, Christ. Your spouse doesn't complete you. By the way, your children don't complete you. Your church doesn't complete you. Your job doesn't complete you. 
Jesus completes you. Never look to a romantic relationship to complete you or to heal you. Never look for them to be what only God can be. All right, number two. God's ultimate will for you is to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. God's concerned about every area of your life. I want you to hear me say that again. God's concerned about every area of your life. And one of the areas that he's concerned about is your character. I think oftentimes we put so much emphasis on what we do, we fail to see the most important thing is what we're becoming in the process. What kind of person are we becoming? Are we growing in the grace of Jesus? Are, are we growing in our character? I love what Paul says in Romans 8, 29. says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. We don't become Jesus, but we grow in the character of Jesus. The grace of Jesus. The nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control. So, as a single person... When we begin to understand that, that self-development, Christ's development, God's development on the inside of us. In other words, we maximize the season that we're in. Number one, we understand that Christ completes us. But number two, we understand that as a single person, we want to maximize that season for growth and development in our character. So that we can handle, by the way, life moves from, it moves from simplicity to increasingly complexity, and it ends hopefully simple. But it gets really complex when other people enter, 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 enter. <laughs> Very complex. So you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to grow. By the way, lest you think, and I, I think that as, as, as a church, as pastors, and I say this as a pastor, I think it is very important. I want to say this as your pastor. If I am your pastor, I want to take the social stigma off of you. I want to apologize if ever at our church or any church made you feel as a single person, as a second-rate citizen, you are complete in Christ, and this is a season for you to grow in Christ. And by the way, to grow in every area of your life, lest we forget Jesus was single, and so was the Apostle Paul. Reason why Peter had so many problems is he had a mother-in-law. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that, but it's actually mentioned in the Bible. That's why Peter's like, I'm exhausted. Paul, you take the baton. Anyway, that was funny. I'm just funny right now. This girl one time, she says, she goes, Pastor, I'm not going to any more weddings unless I'm wearing the white dress. I understand it's painful at times. You see your friends get married and you really want to be that person. I understand it. And God has a timing. If that's a desire of your heart, I believe God grants the desire of our heart. Now, let, let me give you, which leads perfectly into point three. Being single does not mean that you're rejected. Many singles look at their lives, whether they're divorced, single again, single, never been married, widow, widow, or whatever it is. And again, they, they feel like, you know, I have this like social disease. What's wrong with me? So, and people put pressure on you. Let, let me just be honest. I want everybody to look at me at every one of our locations. The truth is if you're single today, you are single because of your choice. You could easily lower your standard and marry anybody you want. Drive right up to Gatlinburg, pay $15 to that guy. He'll sing a little song and you get a diploma or whatever thing and you're married. So, so it's, being married, I mean, come on, you can marry, you, it's a choice. It's a choice to grow. It's a choice to develop. It's a choice to become that person God created you to be. So just know that. 
But I get it. I understand you, feel, you can feel a little bit rejected. Hey, here's the good news. Jesus understands. That's why I love the fact that we don't, deserve, we don't serve a God that's like detached, you know, kind of like Wizard of Oz. He's behind the curtains. Hey, y'all out there, figure it out. No, he's involved. And by the way, he was a human being on the earth. And he experienced pain and rejection, loss, betrayal. That's why he relates to us. Isaiah 53.3, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It's okay to pour out our pain to God. It's okay. It's okay. Our disappointment, we, we, we pour it out to Jesus. So, pastor, where do I get acceptance? First, from God. You're complete in him. And number two, from the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, for the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he's made us accepted in the beloved. He's made us accepted in the beloved. The message paraphrase says it like this. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. So, pastor, where do I get my acceptance? In the body of Christ. From God. Of course, family members that are godly people that'll love you, that'll affirm God's call in your life, but also the body of Christ. By the way, that's what small groups are all about. You get in a church like this, you get connected in a small group, start doing life with single people, and it's a fun. You maximize that season of your life, enjoyment, development, growth, go on mission trips together, do life together. I was in small group. Still am. I, I love small groups. Matter of fact, you're single. It's, it's an opportunity to really embrace your calling in the body of Christ. You have emotional needs. That your needs, your needs should never be denied. Your needs should just learn how to get met appropriately. What happens is when we meet our legitimate needs illegitimately. So how do your needs for emotional... I'm lonely. Well, through healthy relationships, connecting with other brothers and sisters in Christ, connecting in groups. Don't isolate, get weird, try to, everybody you meet, I'm going to isolate this person. No, stay connected. Get in groups. Get healthy. Get healthy. Get strong. Get fit spiritually. Get fit emotionally. Get fit physically. Get fit every area of your life. Be strong. In other words, pour out your rejection to God and grow in the body of Christ with one another. You can grow strong. Get healthy, get strong, get equipped. Number four, your singleness allows you a gift and a season for extraordinary service in the kingdom of God. Isn't that good? I want to say that to all of you single people, listen to me. Your season of singleness, for however long it is, it provides an extraordinary opportunity for service in the kingdom. Your singleness is a gift from God to serve others. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32. Here's what Paul said. But I want you to be without care. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is, un, he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. The words without care literally means waiting on God. Isn't that cool? literally means waiting on God. God is looking for single people to be fully attentive to his voice and his will. God can speak to you. By the way, go on mission trips. Serve. Be a part. Stay connected. Yesterday was so cool. I, as a matter of fact, this is, this is wild, by the way. I'm going to say this. These girls, these ladies may be in the church. I, I walked up with my daughter. Uh, we went to an elementary school, and I met a girl yesterday, a single girl named Victoria. Victoria's 24, 
She's a nurse. And then I walked into the school, there's a whole bunch of people, and I met another girl named Victoria. She's 24. She's a nurse. They both work for Ashner. They're both friends. I thought, wow, this is really interesting. Is there a third? Come on, is there a third? But you know what I loved about it? They were single people. Now, we had a lot of family serving. But you know, what, you know what I loved about it? Those were single young ladies, professional ladies that were serving. You have extra time when you're single. By the way, listen to me. This, go on mission trips. There's a young man who works for me. And, and he came to me. He was talking about his life. I said, and I, and I told him, I said, I, his name's Gabe. I said, Gabe, go to graduate school right now. You're never, ever going to have this much time as a single person. Trust me. Maximize your time right now. This is a time as you're single. Go back to graduate school. Do your work. Do it. Become the person God. In other words, maximize your time as a single. Go on mission trips. Serve. Why? Because I'm telling you, you get married. And yes, marriage is a gift from God. I'm into marriage. I have children. But how many of you know you go from simple to complicated to real complicated to real complicated. Teenage, absolute complication. And then Go on mission trips, volunteer, take care of yourself, spirit, soul, and body. By the way, develop healthy habits, mental habits, spiritual discipline habits, physical exercise. Develop to get strong so that when the seasons of life get complex, boom, those habits keep you. They keep you strong. Number five, in conclusion. Y'all learn anything today? Is this helping anybody? I'm telling you, this this is a message you should give to every single person. You are complete in Christ. You're not a half cookie. You are complete in Christ. You're not in just a holding pattern until. Until is now. You're becoming the man. You're becoming the woman that God's created you to be. And if God chooses and it's a desire of your heart to bring someone, and then you guys run in greater power together. It's powerful. But you're, but you're looking for God. You're looking for God's call and purpose. Which brings me to point five. Stay with me. Got a couple minutes left. This is important. Use your season of singleness to discover and develop your purpose. Your season of singleness provides you a wonderful opportunity to discover your purpose in in God. Psalms 139, one of my favorite, favorite verses. Three verses here, chapter 139, verse 13. For you form my inward parts. You cover me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Is this powerful? My frame was not hidden from you, O God, when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes, listen to this, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Let me pause there just for one moment. This is why I'm unapologetically pro-life. Unapologetically. God formed us, listen to me, and in your book, everybody say book. And by the way, yes, God will forgive you if you've had an abortion, and God will cleanse you and give you a new start in life. But let's understand life from God's perspective. There's a book. There's a book. And in your book, they were all written. What was written? The days that were fashioned for me, when as yet there was none. In other words, listen to me closely. God has a plan for your life. This is not just for singles. This is for everybody. And listen to me. Your destiny is not your decision. It's actually your discovery. You discover it. You begin to walk with Jesus. 
You begin to follow the word of God. You begin to follow the voice of God. You begin to make decisions in line with God's moral will in his life and God's plan. I'm telling you, your your eyes, this is amazing, God's plan. doesn't mean it's without pain. doesn't mean life without trial, but it means life fulfilled, life in satisfaction. This is a time, and I want to speak to the singles. When you're single, Discover your purpose in God. Try different things vocationally. I'm telling you, this is an opportunity. Do you know how many people are in jobs that they're not satisfied with? Man, when you're married, it's like, hey, honey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something out. Well, you better, better provide. Well, you better have enough money. I mean, our kids, they go to this. I mean, after all, we got to pay. The, when you're single, this is an opportunity. Watch this. God has uniquely gifted you with skills and abilities and talents. You can try a whole bunch of things when you're single. Try different things and step out and go places and do. Why? Because you, you, are, you are discovering life. There's a discovery of God's plan and purpose. And this is your moment to excavate it out of God's word and, and, and out of God's plan for you to be able to walk in it. God has a vision. God has a plan for your life. Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, where there's no revelation, People cast off restraint. In other words, God is saying, I want to fill you with vision. Don't miss this. I want to fill you with purpose. You show me a single person that has God's vision and God's dream for their life, and I'll show you a single person that won't give themselves to lower base things. Matter of fact, you show me anybody that has God's vision for their life and God's plan for their life. Friends, let me just say a couple last things. I want to say this as a pastor. I want to say this to you, God, because I love you and I care about you. We live in an overly sexualized culture right now. The world has lost their mind. You do realize that. They're making up the rules every day. And single people are such a target. They're so targeted. Media, marketing, there's no boundaries in sexual. There's no sexual boundaries in our culture. Well, pastor, you know, you guys are just out of step. I'd rather be out of step with culture and in step with what God's word says. With what God's word says. Listen to me closely. Listen to me closely. God designed sexual intimacy to happen in the context of marriage between one man and one woman to protect your heart, to protect your soul. Again, culture does it their way. Can I tell you something? Where does it end? Where does it go? The moment you step outside of the Bible, it ends in really bad places. So I want to say this to those that are not married. I challenge you. I challenge you to live holy. I want to talk to the girlfriends and boyfriends in here. I challenge you to live sexually holy, to live clean before God. Let me tell you something. You should connect spiritually first with your girlfriend or boyfriend, and and then mentally. The last one is consummated sexually, and that ought to be under the blessing of marriage. Under the blessing of marriage. Listen to me closely. I want everybody to look at me. And by the way, I don't care who gets mad at me. I don't really care what you think. God's word is true. Let every man be a liar and let God's word be true. God's trying to help you right now. I was at the airport and this guy got mad at me because his girlfriend was upset. She went to Church King. He said, yeah, my pastor, I shouldn't be having sex with you. You shouldn't be having sex with your boyfriend until you get married. If he can't say I do, then you say I don't. Well, pastor, what if he punches you? He better knock me out. Listen to me closely. Listen to me. I say this in jest, but this is clear. I'm going to have fun, but I'm going to get real clear. Do it God's way. Listen to me. Do it God's way. Do it God's way. Oh, oh, listen to me. 
God has a way that's better than man's way to bring blessing. And yes, there's forgiveness. And yes, there's cleansing. But after you're forgiven, do it God's way because it's the best way. Come on. Y'all receive that? It's the best way. So single people, we love you at Church of the King. We honor you. We want you here. We want you thriving here. We want you being God's man, God's woman, developing who you're supposed to be, growing in every area, spirit, soul, and body. And maybe you and if it's in your heart to get married again, maybe they're in the house of God. Maybe. But I'm going to tell you something. God loves you and we love you. I want everybody to bow their heads. I want to talk to you just for one moment. If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, I want to pray for you. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Jesus? I can't save you, my friend. I, I, the church of the king can't save you. I tell you, Ken, his name is Jesus. 35 years ago, when I was 19 years old, I gave my heart to Christ. I gave my heart to Jesus. I said, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Make me new. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? In just a moment, the count of three, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Jesus to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if you say, Pastor, pray for me, I need Jesus. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me. I want to be at peace with God. If that's you at the count of three, would you just lift your hand up high? One, two, three. Quickly, hold it up high so I can see it. God bless you, ma'am, right there. God bless you as well right there. God bless you, ma'am, and you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, buddy. God bless you over here. God bless each one of you right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you right there. God bless you up top. God loves you. God cares about you. God bless you way up top right there. God bless you, sir. Yeah, yeah. Church family, let's, with every head bowed and eyes closed, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ right now. Can we do that? Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say this. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Wow, what an amazing message today. I just love everything that we're learning during this series. But I do wanna take a second right now to acknowledge those of you who may be making a decision to give your lives to Jesus. If that is you, we just wanna say a big congratulations because we believe that's the best decision that you could ever make. And it's not the finish line, it's really the starting line of an amazing life of following Jesus for the rest of your life. And again, we just wanna say congratulations. Yes, yeah, so if that is you, we would love to just come alongside you and encourage you and equip you with some practical tools as you begin this new life of following Jesus. And so for us to be able to do that, you can simply fill out the link in the chat room right now, or you can text the word DECISION to 822-822, and we would love to be able to follow up with you and just walk alongside you in this new life with Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that kind of wraps up our time together, but we've really enjoyed being with you at church here today. And don't miss next week as we are wrapping up our series called Fight For. It's the fourth and final week. It's going to be an amazing time together, so don't miss it. We'll see you there. Same time. Same place. We love you guys.